You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now present our program, Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism, with Roy Showman. Hi, this is Roy Showman, and welcome again to Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism, the show on Radio Maria that celebrates the Jewish roots of the Catholic Church, or seen the other way around, that celebrates the completion, the fulfillment, the full realization of um, the promise of Judaism in the Catholic Church and its sacraments. Now, if you are a regular listener to the show, you know that it is it is kind of a, a bottomless, uh, I don't want to say a bottomless pit, a bottomless mine to mine the Jewish roots of uh, Catholicism. Everywhere you look almost in Catholicism, if you look deeply, you can trace back, dig down, and find the Jewish roots. And today I want to talk about one very central um, prayer in Catholicism, which is, of course, the the rosary. And uh, perhaps I can't say the Jewish roots of the rosary, but certainly the places where if one digs down into the mysteries of the rosary, one can find um, Jewish roots. And in order to discuss this, I have invited on a guest, again, listeners who have been listening to the show for, the while, for a while may recognize her. Her name is Marie. She, uh, before she entered the Catholic Church, and perhaps still, I should say, was a very um, uh, devout and learned and, and extremely serious about Judaism. Um, I don't want to um, malign her, but I would have called her an ultra-Orthodox uh, uh, Jewess before she entered the Catholic Church, and we were we were speaking a little while ago, and uh, her and I, and we sort of got mutually excited about all of the um, Jewish. Uh, I don't know how to put it, but all of the light on the mysteries of the Rosary, which are shed by looking at them with a Jewish perspective. So I invited her on today's show to talk about that. So are you there, Marie? I'm here, Roy. Glad to talk to you and glad to be with your listeners again today. Well, I, I am sure it's going to be as kind of exciting and eye-opening for them as it was for me. So I don't know where you want to start. Um, I, I know where I want to get to, which certainly includes the wedding at Cana, but that doesn't mean we have to start there. Um, did you have any thoughts on okay. uh, uh, whether we're going to start start with a particular set of mysteries or, or what? All right. Uh, I'd like to make a, a few points before we get into the actual mystery. And then, you know, we can go uh, however fast or slow that you want to go. Um, it was just today because I was meditating on, on a lot of this. And when we spoke earlier, uh, there, there's just so much there. there there's, uh, you know, the Old Testament and the New Testament do reflect themselves in the rosary. And the rosary is such a powerful uh, prayer uh, apparatus, and it continues um, uh, the, the Jewish tradition of, of meditation and connection to the Word of God, and in this case, both uh, uh, in the text and literally. But I was meditating today is the feast day of St. Bridget of Sweden, and uh, going over some things of her are exactly what I was thinking about uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and I'll just 
quickly, quickly, because we're not going to do a whole segment on St. Bridget, although we could, but um, uh, St. John Paul II, who, uh, of course, we know was very devoted to Mary. Totus Tuus was his, his, uh, uh, his emblem, and uh, uh, he, he had an encyclical on, on, the, uh, on the rosary. But um, before we even get into that, on the 700th anniversary of St. Bridget's birth, he gave a, uh, a letter to her order, the Bridgetine. She founded an, an order of, uh, of charitable nuns and also supported a monastery as well. Um, and in that, he said about her devotion as an imitation of Mary. He said one special aspect of her spirituality deserves to be highlighted, highlighted. That's the Marian dimension of her consecration Christ. A woman, Mary, is at the heart of the economy of salvation. St. Bridget invites people to see the Virgin of Nazareth as a female icon of Christianity. In seeking to imitate Mary, she made herself, St. Bridget, a faithful wife, mother, and religious. In the Virgin's footsteps, she sought in every circumstance to do God's will without reserve. <clears throat> and, and he continues, I won't read the whole thing here, but he mentions this, which I was contemplating that sounded, uh, I was thinking of this verse, and here it is, is that um, in, in imitating the Virgin Mary, um, St. Bridget was, would uh, connect herself to Jesus' own word of who is my mother, who's my brother, who's my sister, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. And isn't that Mary? She is the one who gave her fiat. She is the one that allowed every, well, God allowed it, but I'm saying the human elements, <laughs> human elements in the economy of salvation, Mary allowed everything to be salvation history to continue to the next step. And uh, I know you and I have many times pointed on the, um, um, the pivotal uh, uh, moment in salvation history when our Lord Jesus Christ raises the bread, this is my body, and he's giving it. Take all, all of you and eat of this. He's transferring that Passover sacrifice, which was the central of, of Judaism into now the Christian sacrifice, which is our central piece. Like that's the pivotal time between pre-Messianic uh, 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 Christianity and and post-Messianic Judaism, where we come together. Actually, the Annunciation even begins that, and Pope Saint John the Twenty Third said that. He focused on the Annunciation, saying this is the pivotal moment in history when all history changed, and all history changed at the moment that Our Lady gave her fiat. And <laughs> extraordinary, that was complete, complete devotion to God. And it was not a, uh, a, a woman who was just subservient and docile. This was a courageous woman 
by giving her fiat, she was subject to the death penalty. She was an engaged woman, which was the same in ancient Judaism as being married. She had no idea what Joseph was going to do about this situation. We know later on that Gabriel came to him in a dream and, and told him not to worry about it, and he certainly didn't want to hurt her, but she did what God wanted her to do. She said, Behold, and if Lord be done to me according to thy word, her fiat. And her fiat begins the rosary with denunciation, and it ends the rosary when we get to the, uh, the glorious mysteries, and she's crowned in heaven. Well, she's crowned in heaven. She's not crowned because she's Mary and she's the queen. She's the queen mother. She's the mother of Jesus. She's crowned because she's the mother of Jesus, but not only, and not because solely or surfacely she's the mother of Jesus, but because she gave herself fully to God's Word. And that's what in Jesus' own words was, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. So from that very first fiat until her crowning, which we have throughout the whole rosary, we see doing the will of God, loving God, loving Jesus, loving our neighbor, and just fitting into that whole scheme, the salvation history, the most perfect creature that God created, and we follow her and we pray for her to pray for us, because that's what she wants to do, the new Eve, the new mother of all creation. Wow. Nice introduction. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I will, uh, uh, just, just to be a little bit uh, contentious, also point out that um, she's crowned as the Queen of Heaven. Uh, of course, she is the Queen Mother, the Mother of the Second Person of the Most Holy Trinity, but she's also the Spouse of the Third Person of the Most Holy Trinity. And, and queens are also often married to the king, and in this case, Mary fulfills that role also, since she was espoused to the Holy Spirit when she said yes. Right? Uh, that was a spousal act. As a matter of fact, to start with a little bit of a kind of Jewish flavor, um, my understanding of Jewish law is that um, engaging in this marital act is actually what affects the marriage. Isn't that correct? Um, that's a little, uh, uh, <laughs> there, there are a, a few elements that okay, are Okay, so it's not a one-word answer. But that's one. Yes, but that's one. That, that will affect it, yes. Um, so anyway, that's, you know, at, uh, at the Annunciation, when the uh, word became flesh in her womb, she was, mm-hmm. um, she was, uh, in some sense, engaging in the in the spousal act, a fruitful spousal act with the third person of the Most Holy Trinity, so became the spouse of the Holy Spirit as well as the the mother of the Word of God, um, the mother of the second person of the Most Holy Trinity. Anyway, but that's, I have no idea where you. What mystery did you want to start with? Uh, well, I just wanted to you know to to go into after going to Saint Bridget and that idea of you know going from it's, it's doing the will of God that makes to marry her fiat, to marry her crowning, and marry throughout all the mysteries who was there with Christ. And also, I mean, it's good we're doing this today, which is a Saturday, and, you know, uh, Saturdays are Mary's Day. 
and uh, for a lot of reasons. I mean, I guess the main one would be um, I mean, uh, that she was there with Jesus after the death, that the, the uh, disciples had left, and although the women later came to anoint after the Sabbath, Mary was there in full faith through everything. And even at the crucifixion, she, she didn't faint, and I'm not saying this, you know, based on her her, her strength of, uh, of uh, physical strength, that she didn't faint, but she, she was there to, to be there for him and his suffering and to be there in, in, in God's will, that this was what, what needed to be done. And, and she was, you know, all along there. So this idea of Saturdays, and even now, you know, there are many, uh, um, uh, besides the Saturday being uh, aligned with the Blessed Virgin Mary, and there, there were, um, there's a tradition of, of that, um, um, there was a, a, a um, uh, that Mary had, had actually appeared to, uh, that Jesus had actually appeared to Mary on the Saturday after his death to, to strengthen her, and, and that he is there with her as she is with him. And then it's continued on throughout the years from a very ancient time of Saturdays being a day that, yeah. that's dedicated to Mary. And we know even today in the liturgy, whenever there isn't a, a specific saint day, or even in such cases, they can make a Blessed Virgin Mary uh, a dedication on Saturday. There right. can be a votive mass. There can be all kinds of things that are dedicated to her. And right now, we're actually in the middle of a um, a, a series that has been from the Middle Ages. It's called the Fifteen Saturdays. Yeah, that's right. Uh, from we know we have twenty mysteries. We have twenty mysteries to get through, Marie. Oh, twenty Not mysteries. Literally. Okay. okay. Uh, look, um, give me five more minutes to talk on that, and we'll get to the mysteries. Uh, three more minutes. <laughs> Two more minutes. Oh, okay. three, three more minutes. We're in the middle of the 15 Saturdays that stretch from a time in June until the uh, Saturday of the other, uh, until the uh, uh, October 7th, which is the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. Um, we're now in the midst of that. Um, there are other uh, uh, um, of the Saturday devotions. You know what? Let's go ahead to the, uh, <laughs> the okay. mysteries. Okay. Well, I, but but right. you know what? I'm going to cheat because the one that we started talking about that was so incredibly exciting was the uh, wedding at Cana. So I don't know what order you mm-hmm. had in mind, but um, uh, let's uh, uh, start with a very uh, very powerful and mysterious and uh, resonant one. And I'm going to actually uh, jump ahead a little bit. I was blown away when you told me that there was a blessing in Judaism, which seemed to be a direct reference almost to the wedding of Cana or precursor, which is uh, something along the lines of um, referring to the one who is all good as the one who turns the water into wine. So maybe you could tell us about uh, that blessing and where it occurs and what is what is messianic illusion is. Okay, there are a few things, and I mean that's that's the one that really, although all the mysteries in the Rosary I think have that impact, both Old Testament, New Testament, but this this one, which is is I, I think probably very little noticed, and and I pay attention to these type of things. Um, 
our Lord turned the water into wine. And we know when that wine is brought to the head steward, he tells the, uh, the servants that, uh, he tells the host that most, most serve fine wine at the outset, and after the guests have imbibed, uh, an inferior wine is given, but you have saved the best for last. Now, there is a, a blessing in Judaism that is not used very often. It's called Hatov Vehametiv. It's the good who causes good to come about. Now, it's used in, 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 in certain restricted circumstances. Usually it's used when, and, and it's when there is a, a joyous moment for a group of people. So uh, it, it's used many times where there was a salvation that happened for a community. You know, that if there was something that happened in a particular community and they were saved from that, and you go to that place. Like today, if one would go to the Red Sea that was split, one would say, Hatovia Metis, because God did a miracle there for us. So, so those types of things, that it was, it was something that miraculous or great or an uh, extreme display of, of kindness or his creative power that was done for a group of us that Hatso Bahameki was said. And it's not said all that often. One of the, the times that it is said, which is uh, not, even not many Orthodox Jews know this, but according to the halacha, to the Jewish law and the stipulations of that, that particular blessing, when there is wine on the table at a suda, a, uh, a feast, uh, a holy feast, right? it could be a Sabbath meal, a holiday meal, a, a meal commemorating a, a religious celebration, that bottle of wine that is brought later that is of a greater uh, uh, a, a better wine, that blessing is said. So, and it comes so perfectly from what Jesus did, because it's, you know, the, the head waiter said, it's, you, 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 you made it better. You made it better. He gave the better wine. He and gave what would be Hatso Vihameti. And we actually say that, the, the priest actually say, says that in the Mass, when he talks about God is good, and through which all good comes. Everything that is good all comes through him. Hatov Bahameti. He's the good through which all good comes. So, so could it, you it, uh, just give the literal, the literal content of the blessing, the English translation <laughs> of the blessing? Okay, it, it would start as all the blessings, Lord, blessed are you, our uh, Lord, God, King of the Universe, who has, here it is, Hatoviameki, who has made the good, who has caused the good, who causes good to come upon us. So it's, um, yeah, it's uh, the, the one who is good, who, through, through which all good comes. So uh, to, to think that this was uh, our Lord's first miracle. Let me get this straight. Is there or isn't there a, a um, explicit reference in the blessing itself into turning water into wine? 
blessing itself, it's not turning water into wine. It's just, just that the blessing is used, one of the conditions that the blessing is used. Other than other times, other times the blessing is used for if you come across a place where a great miracle is done for us, or you come, you know, something where a, a number of people are benefiting from, but a specific reference is to the wine being one of those places that we can, and one of the rare places that we can okay. make that particular blessing. And that okay. this is what our Lord did um, at, at that time, and not only at that time, but it, w- it was a wedding. Now, the wedding feast and the wedding ceremony was already uh, sacred in Judaism. So he was fortifying, so to speak, that this would also be sacred within in the church. It would become a sacrament, actually, of the church. And wine is used in so many sacraments. So there's so many parallels there. But that idea of Hatov HaMetiv, whenever I hear the priest say, all that is good, and that's the word, Hatov HaMetiv, I'm like, ah, you know, that's what our Lord did, and that's what our Lord is. Everything was created wow. through him and for him. Well, I know that you had said that um, you almost can't uh, pray the rosary, meditating on the mysteries of the rosary, without um, kind of a Jewish connections jumping out at you with the various mysteries. So what's another one? All right. Well, we, we started, I mean, Cana really hit you there. But we can, we can go, um, you know, to, to the beginning um, with uh, from the, uh, the, the joyousness joyful mysteries and the Annunciation, um, at, the, at that, uh, our, our Lady's fiat, if you look back into, if we want to say from, from um, Jewish tradition, or we look to the Old Testament, uh, what was happening there when the angel Gabriel came to her, and um, she, you know, she didn't understand, what, she was disturbed when he said, hail for grace, the Lord is with she didn't know what it meant, and he understood that, and he said, Fear not, Mary, for God has chosen thee, and you will have a child. And she's, well, how can this be? Because I know not man. Very different than what Zachariah said. Zachariah didn't believe. She believed. She just wanted to know how, how, how is this going to come about. She hadn't had relations with Joseph, and in fact, we, we know also from tradition that they had taken a vow. To be celibate. So, how is this going to come about? Is she going to have to break her vow? What's going to be? What's a... And the angel said, "The Holy Spirit will hover over you, and you will conceive a male child, and it will be Jesus, and on and on and on." Okay, fine. What does it say in Genesis, the very beginning of the Old Testament, the very beginning of the written Word of God? The the Spirit hovered over the water. In the beginning of God creating the heaven and the earth, the Spirit hovered over the waters of this, this abyss. And then creation begins, our Lord says, let there be light. Now, Gabriel tells her, the Spirit will hover over you, and you will conceive. Let there be light. Oh, Jesus is the light of the world. God says, let there be light at creation. There was light in the world. Now, with Mary Fiat, there was light coming into the world in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ incarnate in her womb through her Fiat. So we have, we have this, this 
very uh, intricate connection to the very beginning of the written Word of God, so is that connection to the very physical beginning, so to speak, the incarnation of, of the, the living Word, the Word made flesh. Well, let me just uh, kind of underline that. So you're, you're pointing to a, a parallel between God saying in Genesis, let there be light, and Mary's fiat saying, let it be. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes, yes. And, and the, the, the precursor, the spirit hovered over the waters. And and the, the spirit, spirit hovered over hovered the waters, over yeah. Right. So the, oh. the world had God's uh, creative power and, and everything, and, and Mary, the, that tabernacle, was the more, uh, um, uh, I don't want to say constricted because that is everywhere, but that, that, that it, it's also the, the, um, the vessel of God's, uh, Creative power. Uh, in that, so let me, again, I'm, I, I'm just trying to underline this a little bit as the images kind of, um, uh, you know, flow through my head from what you're saying. So in, in Genesis, you have the image of the spirit hovering over the water and then kind of unleashing its creative power with God's uh, let it be, let there be light. And in right. the Annunciation, you have the spirit kind of hovering over Mary and unleashing its power with Mary's, let it be, uh, her fiat. Yeah, I just say, you know, I want to be careful to say, you know, it's, it's, yes, Mary had to give that consent, and it's her let it be, but God's let it be is there, too. You know, he, 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 he did it at that time. He did it at the moment that she said, let it be, he let it be. You know, he, it, it was still his creative act. But, but she opened the floodgates. I mean, she, she gave her permission. She opened the gates for it to happen. Right. And, and, yeah, and, and this was the whole thing. This is, this was the cooperative, uh, relationship now between God and man. Right. Which was not the same thing at, uh, uh, at creation and, and, and where the, uh, uh, Adam and Eve were told not to do something. Actually, Adam was told not to do and, uh, not to eat of this one tree. And uh, that was violated. Here, there was something very different. It wasn't uh, being told not to do something. It was being asked, will you do this? Will you follow me? Will you accept my will? Will And that's what Mary did. She fixed it. She fixed what Adam and Eve did. Not just because of pride, or not just because of not doing something. It was it was giving over a full yes to follow God, whatever He doesn't want us to do, whatever He wants us to do. I'm here. Let it be. Let it be. And then yes, His light was able to come in an ultimate way, not in an amorphous way, but in a very direct way that affected all mankind and still does today. And, Amen. Uh, Yes, and and that's and that's why you know that's why we still um, through, uh, to Jesus through Mary, yeah. to Jesus through Mary. It's, it's a little bit hackneyed, but uh, what you're what you're saying, uh, you know, clearly again, kind of underlines that that Adam and Eve's disobedience was corrected or reversed by Mary's uh, act of total obedience. Oh yes. That that was the remedy. But, you know, we're already halfway through the show, and we usually, uh, at the halfway point, take a short break. 
a short musical break. And so it's that time now. So we will do that now. And when we come back, we will continue this conversation with Marie about the uh, Jewish, uh, uh, Jewish underpinnings of the rosary. So back in a few moments. Brother sun, sister moon, sister star shine day and night. Shine beautiful, radiant splendor of light. Brother sun and sister moon, heaven and earth proclaim God's glory. Oh. 
You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now return to our program, Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism, with Roy Shoman. Hi, this is Roy Shoman. Welcome back to Jesus, the Promised Messiah of Judaism, the show on Radio Maria that celebrates the Jewish roots of the Catholic Church. And we're talking today about the uh, Jewish roots or the Jewish precursors behind the mysteries of the rosary with our guest, uh, Marie. And uh, I don't know, Marie, if if you have a place you uh, or mystery you want to turn to, and if you're uh, ambivalent, I would throw out the baptism as a possibility, since since the Jewish precursor of the baptism is already mentioned explicitly in the Gospels. But really, uh, any mystery you like. Okay, um, let's go ahead with the baptism. Uh, I, I would have first just like to, well, I don't know, uh, do we have a time constraint? I'd just like to, to quickly, because this does fit in very well with Judaism, and there's so much in Jewish tradition that um, the tradition, the rabbis uh, said and did and had no idea that this was the um, uh, 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 precursor of what was to come, that what they were doing was foreshadowing what was to come. And uh, uh, I, I thought this was very striking. If we just look at what the, you know, rosary is rose, right? Rosary is the wreath of the rose. It's roses. And both Jesus and Mary have been referred to um, in, in, in uh, Christian tradition as rose. And um, many of these references go back to the Song of Psalms, uh, Song of Songs. And we have this in Judaism also, that Israel and Israel's Messiah are referred to as the rose among the thorns. And the rose is said to be 13 petaled with five thorns. Now, I know very often you say that you like to equate the second person of the Holy Trinity, or Lord Jesus Christ, as Adonai. The, uh, this name of God, and I think you would like this. This idea is those thirteen uh, petals are supposed to, according according to the mystical tradition of Judaism, to be the um, uh, attributes of mercy that are displayed by God, and they begin with Adonai, Adonai. First, first is, is God, God, but, and that's pointing to the compassion, the compassion that God gives before a person sins and after a person sins. And then you go into, I, I can do quickly the next, this is coming from um, um, uh, Exodus uh, 34.10, and it will give you, uh, it's a verse, and that verse is broken up into what would be God's merciful attributes. So Adonai, Adonai, compassionate before a person's sins, compassionate after a person's sins. El, El means mighty, but it's also usually referred to with Elohim, which is the God of justice. But here it's, it's compassion beyond justice, because justice is compassion when it's done 
in God's way. Our justice is imperfect, but his is, is correct and merciful. Rahum means mercy, again, and this is before people have sorrows and chanun, like pain, grace, after the sorrow had been already imposed. He's slow to anger, very slow to anger, and gives us lots of chances for Rav Chesed, and so full of Chesed, of kindness, of mercy. I fear I might have lost the thread. What's, what, what's this? You were these talking are, about the 13, the 13 petals of the rose. What, just it, spell it, out it, the it, connection. The, these 13 attributes are, are the, the 13, 13 petals of the rose. Okay, good. Right, so Thank we you. say this is 13 petals of rose. Okay, I won't continue with the, with the rest, although we were almost finished, but, that, but it does it does start off with, as you like to uh, to equate uh, Hashem uh, uh, Adonai with Jesus. Here you have the merciful one, and here we are in the year of mercy. Anyway, those 13 petals. Israel and its Messiah, the 13 petals, are said to be the mercy of God, and it's surrounded by five thorns. But it doesn't give what it means to five thorns other than the suffering from sin. Isn't that interesting? How many wounds on our Lord? That's right. right? Caused by caused by man's sin. The sins, right? The, the sin, the suffering through sin. So, okay. <laughs> anyway, that was... And aside, but I just thought it fit so well. But all right, so we'll go on to the baptism. <laughs> um, yeah, if, if, right. if, if you do, if, if you, um, how can I put this? If you, if you, if you stray, I'm going to threaten to ask you to tell about. Uh, no, I'll do it anyway. I, I'd like to do it. Um, remember, um, no, no one listening knows your last name. Why don't you? Why right. don't you tell? About, I don't want to say your first rosary, but. But the connection between uh, Saint John Paul II and your early uh, early life of saying the Rosary. Okay, I'd be happy to, but that's going to take a while. <laughs> well, you can make the rest of the show. It's such an incredible. We've been talking about the Rosary. You mentioned John Paul II. When and yeah. I will just say this to the audience: um, when Marie first told me the story, um, John Paul II was not yet. Um, made a saint. I mean, he was not, he was not yet uh, even beatified. And when she told me the story, um, it became very clear to me that um, that was only a matter of time. So why don't you tell the story? <laughs> yeah, it could have been one of the miracles, I guess, that you could have added to it. But, um, I, you know, without going through all my history, and some of the, the listeners have, have listened to it, but I, I had a long time of trying to, I knew the truth of of the church, I knew, uh, I, and I, I knew this was, uh, you know, God's place. I, I was a little bit uh, uh, hesitant because I wasn't sure what a Jew needs to do. Uh, uh, and even though from the early apostles who were baptized, and and until today, we have Jews throughout history that have been baptized. But but Paul also tells us that that uh, all the Jews will be saved at the time that the Gentiles are fulfilled. So I was really in a quandary, and I loved Judaism, so I wasn't searching for anything. I wasn't, uh, I had my troubles, like everybody has their troubles, but I wasn't searching for anything. But there, God was calling me, and I had that quandary of, of, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? 
Well, John Paul II, as we know, died in 2005. Now, coverage on, of course, all the media was was pretty uh, uh, constant, but on EWTN, it was 24-7. So uh, I had EWTN in the background constantly, and this was 2005. Now, you get to 2006, and you were on EWTN, actually a rebroadcast with Father Mitch talking about your um, uh, Salvationists from the Jews, which... I found that fascinating. I'd like to see that book, and, and I was interested in your journey. And I contacted you very briefly. It was, I think I, I called just to, or left a message to wish you a, a, a happy new, new year, a Jewish new year, Rosh Hashanah. And you called back right away, and we started a conversation, and we started a, a friendship. And, um, and you knew I was struggling. You were always praying for me and trying to be very helpful. And early on in this discerning process, you sent me a rosary. Now, I put that on my my bookcase and um, didn't do anything with it at that time. Let me just Which back up, or not back up, but let me just add a gloss. I'm, um, a rosary, uh, uh, actually, because I made a pilgrimage to Rome shortly after we met, and like many yes, pilgrims so I, to Rome, I bought a handful of rosaries at the Vatican gift shop, and I had them with me at the... Um, public audience when John Paul II said, you know, if anyone has any religious articles, hold them up and I'll bless them. So it was actually a rosary right. from the Vatican blessed by John Paul II. Go ahead. Yes. Yes, this was a, a rosary blessed by John Paul from the Jubilee year, by the way, that you, you got them at that time. And, you sent, you know, I don't think you had a, a huge bunch of those, but you sent me one of those. And I just put it on my bookcase, and, and as much as I was happy to have it. I wasn't yet ready to say rosary. And then one night, and by the way, like I said before, EWTN was in the background constantly. While I was doing my work on the computer, EWTN was there. So I was hearing the rosary a lot. <laughs> they have quite a few segments where the rosary is said. Uh, I have a dream one night. And uh, now Saint Pope St. John Paul II comes to me. And... He, he beckons me to come with him, and he takes me by the hand, and he gives me the, the container where your rosary is. I recognize that container. He opens it. He pulls it out, and he shows me. He shows me. First, he points to, he says, Potus Tours, <laughs> even in his his always accent. I remember very... This was so, you know, like it, it's a dream, but not a dream. Like when you had your, one of your conversion experiences, like it, it's a dream, but it's so real that, you know, if the video camera was there, say the person's sleeping, but it was so real. And and he, he's pointing, tell me, totus tus, which is, I'm all yours, which is married, right? And then he shows me, he unfolds the, the rosary, and he starts showing me the... Uh, the uh, uh, separations between each of the decades, and 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 he said to me, I remember he, he said uh, um, uh, the um, uh, uh, one letare and and Mary um, uh, uh, and Maria Madre, and you know he said in the in in the Latin all the names of the basilicas of Rome, and then he took my arm. He was on my right elbow, and he took my arm, and he showed me how to say the rosary. And 
this rosary had it, it, it went from a, a sort of a clear to different, uh, from clear to light yellow to darker yellow until you got to gold, right? Five different the decades going through these different colors. And he showed me this, and and then, you know, I was just so so startled, and and I I, I got up, and the room was filled with the smell of roses. And my daughter was sharing bedroom with me that night, and she got up and said, "Mom, what's going on? What's this, what's this smell? Where the roses come from?" I said, "No, no, it's it's okay. Don't worry. Whatever. Go back to sleep." And I went into the living room where your box of the rosary was on the bouquet. And I picked it up and I opened it. I had not opened it yet. And the only way that I, the only thing that I could see from what you, you gave me was it had that this was the Jubilee year two thousand had Saint John Paul II on there and I just saw the clear rosary bead. I took it out and there was the metal Codus Tulip which John Paul showed me in that dream. And as I'm unfolding it, the, the uh, uh, clear goes to a little light yellow, then a darker yellow, then a darker yellow to the gold, and each separated by the basilicas of Rome. I just went down on my knees right then and there. And you had to say Hail Mary, because like I said, it was always in the background. I said that part, and then I, 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 I checked on my... Uh, on my recordings to get the, uh, you know, the, a, a full uh, a full rosary with uh, Mother Angelica and her her sister, and I was on my knees praying that. A few years later, I broke my hand and had to have surgery. And before they did the prep, the X-rays showed something unusual in my elbow and the. The doctor said, um, did you uh, have an injury? Did you have surgery before? And I, no, nothing. Because this was completely separate from where the current injury was. They said, well, there's quite a bit of scar tissue there. So uh, <laughs> think of that what you will. But, I mean, that's very happy scar tissue there. <laughs> and I know that St. John Paul II came to me and told me, the rosary, and I remember when I told you that, and, and I said, you know, and I still was equivocating of when I should be baptized and whatever. And I said, well, maybe he's just telling me to have a more active prayer life. Uh, look at what he did. <laughs> he was telling you to say the rosary, and so exact, so exact. These were things I could not have known had not opened that box. Down to the detail, the color, the metal, the totus tuus. Everything down to the, the, the basilicas of Rome. Um, yeah. I, uh, so let me just again underline this because this is amazing and it, it goes by a little bit fast. So that uh, scar tissue was where John Paul II had um, held your elbow. Yeah, while he was doing the rosary with me. Yeah. Wow. I guess he didn't know the strength of his grip, huh? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe this is interesting. As um. There's a, um, a very uh, uh, popular uh, uh, priest in in, uh, in Detroit that um, had an experience where, uh, well, I can say his name, uh, Father John Ricardo, uh, before he became a priest, and he was uh, 
of students at University of Michigan, and he had a somewhat secular life, even though he was brought up Catholic. And and there was one day he was driving his his car, and <laughs> Jesus came right there, sat right next to him, reached into his chest, and touched his heart. And he was never the same after that. Now he's He's ordained, and he's a very active priest in, in our diocese. And he had a similar experience that I found out later, is when he he uh, was getting ready to go to Rome. And he was, by the way, uh, uh, ordained by uh, now Saint Pope John Paul II. Um, before he was going to Rome, it, they, they had to do, through the seminary, they had to do his, his physical. And in the physical... <laughs> telling me the same thing, that they're like, well, did you have a heart attack previously? Did you, did something happen? Because you have scar tissue on your heart. Wow. And, uh, yeah. That's interesting. It's, um, yeah, but I mean, you know, we're both okay, thank God. <laughs> so, and, uh, yeah, and, yeah, that will always be with me. And, uh, wow. Totus Tuus. And just as we're we're talking about the rosary today, let us all recommit ourselves, so to do it, to Jesus through Mary. She's the one that leads us there. And uh, that's what our our saint, Pope John Paul II, showed us, so to do it. Well, um, I hate to end, but that's uh, about as good a place to end as one can imagine. And we've kind of come (laughs) full circle in a sense, because... You began the show talking about Saturdays being dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary and and the connection between the Blessed Virgin Mary and Saturdays, and um, and now we've made a circle around the Rosary and come back to Totus Tuus through um, through Saint John Paul II and his his involvement both with Mary and with the Rosary and with your entry into the Church. So uh, in the you know two or three minutes. That remain. Um, do you uh, do you have any? Uh, you know, a, as an outsider coming into the church, outsider in some sense coming into the church, uh, with the uh, fresh eyes of coming in from outside. Do you have any words of wisdom or encouragement for those poor cradle Catholics who may not be fully aware mm-hmm. of of what they have? Uh, yes. Uh- Eat up those sacraments. Receive them as much and as often as you can. That's, that's the gift of God to uh, those who are fortunate to receive it. That's something the Jews don't have. The Jews do have the commandments, and, and, and I, I think that, that assists them. It's not salvific, but it, it's something that connects them to God in a certain sense, but it doesn't connect them anywhere near the type of, of communion that we have with our Lord Jesus Christ through all the sacraments. And it's available to us daily. You can take the Eucharist daily. You can take the uh, uh, confession as, as uh, you know, don't overdo it, but to, as, as, uh, uh, make it a frequent practice. And these things are, um, you know, it doesn't only uh, enhance your soul, which already has the indelible mark from the baptism. Right? The Eucharist is, is enhancing it in the... Uh, and reenacting it, and the same thing with with confession. But it's also getting rid of some of the evil in the world. You're bringing such a great 
good into the world, not just into your soul, but into the world. Not just from the act that's coming into you and what you'll do from that, because it will affect how you act. But, you know, it's really, that's really defeating Satan. You know, let us take that step. This is the rosary does it. Rosary defeats Satan. We got to take our sacraments. We got to get out there and we Catholics, we cradle Catholics, wake up. You've got it. You've got all the gifts right there. Go do it. Join with our Lord. You're part of the body of Christ. And let's bring salvation here now. Bring Amen. By the you know, I don't know if you're if you're fully aware of it, but but um. You know, in, in, I mean, you're aware of what I'm going to say. I, I'm not sure that you're aware of the parallel that you just made. But the, um, you know, in, in Judaism, the repair of the world comes from doing good deeds, um, that, you know, every time a mitzvah is done, it's contributing to the redemption of the world. It's contributing to coming the Messiah. It's contributing to the, uh, you know, repairing of the fallen state of the world. And what you're pointing out, is that that is true, that is fundamentally true, and it's true for us Catholics. And when we, um, when we participate in the sacraments, when we pray, when we pray the rosary, it's not only nourishing our soul, but it is contributing to the state of the world. It's saving other souls. It's making Jesus's job easier. It's, of course, consoling Jesus, but it's also helping to um, to defeat or overcome or mitigate the evil in the world. So yes, right. I don't need to be putting words in your mouth, but they're good words to put in, in your mouth, right? Um, so anyway, yes, but we've come, thank you very much for joining us today, uh, Marie. And um, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, I want to thank, thank our listeners. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, same here. I'm always glad to to be here with you and your listeners. Okay, and, and I'm always glad to have you, our listeners, with us. So I ask you um, to uh, join us again next week, same time, same place, for Jesus the Promised Messiah of Judaism on Radio Maria. Bye for now.